Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 12th of January, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about all the latest market news with Bernadette Anderko. Tim Gagey is back as well, so I'll be getting his latest thoughts on currencies and metals. And after the launch of our market outlook for 2024 yesterday, our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rashta, is also on the show this morning to outline his expectations for equity markets this year. But first up is Bernadette. Good morning, Bernadette. Good morning, Helen. So it hasn't been the best start to the year for equities. They've been reticent to rally so far. Did the eagerly anticipated US inflation data that came out yesterday do anything to change this? Well, I'd love to say yes, but unfortunately not, Helen. Um, uh, European shares uh, ended lower yesterday after this hotter than anticipated US inflation reading somewhat dampened hopes of early interest rate cuts by the major central banks across the world. Um, For the listeners, the US December's Consumer Price Index report came out slightly higher than expected, reflecting a 0.3% increase in consumer prices for the month. And this pushed the annual rate to 3.4% compared to the 3.2% that was broadly expected. Markets are now pricing in a roughly 70% likelihood that uh, the US central bank will first lower the interest level at its March meeting. Um, The pan-European stock 600 index ended 0.8% lower. Um, It did, however, rise as much as 0.8% during the day. Um, But that's its third straight day of losses, and banks were at the forefront of the sell-off there. They're down uh, 1.9%. Investors, however, did buy back into the fixed income market with Eurozone bonds yields slipping on the day, obviously, as their prices rose. Okay, um, I guess though, given the disappointing inflation data, the picture wasn't any rosier in the US. Uh, No, uh, the S&P 500 edged lower, but just by 0.07%. And that has to be put into context. Earlier in the session, the broad market index briefly traded above its record closing high of uh, 4,796, spot 56. Two of the 11 sectors were positive. Um, That was technology and energy. And then um, elsewhere in the US, the Dow Jones was little changed, 37,711 at the close. And the NASDAQ 100 was up 0.2% on the day. But it wasn't actually just US inflation data that was driving the markets overnight, Helen. We saw oil prices rising after Britain and the US carried out military strikes against targets in uh, Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. Uh, The simmering tensions there in the Red Sea seem to be heating up. Uh, The Houthi rebels have been attacking ships in the Red Sea, as I'm sure our listeners know. They've been targeting global shipping vessels, including those from the US and Israel, in retaliation uh, for the war in Gaza. We saw global benchmark Brent up 2.25% higher to $79.15 a barrel this morning in Asia trading, while uh, US West Texas intermediate futures have climbed 2.4% to $73.75 a barrel. Uh, The leader of Yemen's Houthis has stated that any American attack on the group will not go without response. So I wouldn't expect the Red Sea to return to normal traffic situations anytime soon. And have there been any knock-on effects from this? Well, manufacturers in Europe are already suffering as a result of supplies not reaching them um, because shipping's having to take different routes. And uh, Tesla, for example, has now announced that it's had to shut down production in its factory near Berlin for the next two weeks as parts that are needed have just simply failed to reach the factory. I mean, it has to be said that the crisis in the Red Sea is compounding disruption in one of the other um, leading key trade arteries. That's the Panama Canal. And there we've seen the drought that's been caused by El Nino leading to reduced water levels. And that's forcing the canal to restrict their ship transit through the waterway. So some investment banks are now warning that the fight against inflation could stall in the coming months if uh, shipping costs push the prices of goods higher. 
And I guess Asian markets have followed suit this morning. We've had data out there too, though, haven't we? Yeah, um, Asian markets fell. Um, We saw China's annual exports dropping for the first time in seven years. But Japan stocks have bucked the trend and they've extended their record rally. Um, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index was down marginally and the mainland Chinese CSI has dipped 0.27%. Some details on the numbers there. Uh, China's Consumer Price Index fell 0.3%. That's less than the 0.4% drop expected and also lower than the 0.5% fall, which we saw in November. And Chinese exports for December did beat expectations, but overall, total trade declined in 2023 for the world's second largest economy. Um, Just a bit more detail on Japan. The benchmark Nikkei 225 and the Topics have been at their highest level since 1990. Um, They've been surging during the past week. The Nikkei advanced 1.5% to close at a new 33-year high, and uh, it paired some gains after surging 2.1% at the open. And the broader Topics was up 0.46% today. And let's talk about Bitcoin quickly before we move on, because obviously on Wednesday, we heard that the SEC had approved a number of spot Bitcoin ETFs in the US. So yesterday was the first uh, trading day for them. How did that go? Yeah, they certainly didn't waste any time, Helen. Uh, The first US exchange traded funds investing directly in Bitcoin, which is obviously the largest digital currency, have finally gone live. Um, Obviously, they were hotly anticipated. And this batch of almost a dozen funds got off to a very strong start with, uh, I think, something like $4.6 billion worth of shares changing hand in a rather frenetic first day of trading. Okay. um, Anything else investors should be looking out for today? Yeah, well, we've just had data out this morning from the UK Office for National Statistics that shows that British economic output grew by 0.3% in November. That's better than the 0.2% expansion of GDP from October. Um, Economic output, however, shrank by 0.2% in the three months to the end of November, which was more than the 0.1% decline that had been expected by economists. Um, And then if we look to the day ahead, it seems that European shares are set to open slightly higher and the US futures there are mixed. And I think the focus now is going to be shifting to the earnings season. We've got the likes of uh, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo and Bank of America reporting their quarterly results today. And that's it from me today, Helen. Thanks very much, Bernadette, for the roundup this morning. Now, Tim, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Helen. Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. So firstly, then, now we're in 2024. Any final thoughts um, first on FX moves we saw at the end of last year? Yeah, well, the funny thing about 2023 as a whole is that despite what felt like a lot of excitement, we are basically more or less where we were a year ago in quite a few areas. Eurodollar, for example, opened the year at 106 last year, but very quickly hit 110, which is basically where we are today. Um even the dollar index actually found quite surprising. It was at 102.10 or so at the start of last year, and it's now 102.25. So really, it's almost precisely where it was 12 months ago, which I found quite surprising. A few things have moved. Obviously, the pound's a bit higher. And of course, Swiss franc had a superb year, especially the end of the year, basically the opposite of the yen. And it turned out that actually long Swiss yen was the trade of the year. Um We have had plenty of swings, but I think like Macbeth's tale, it was full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. I think the terror of rampant inflation has, for want of a better word, deflated. But this has happened across the board. So again, I don't think we can really distinguish any clear directions from last year. And how has this year started then? Are there any trends you've spotted so far? Yeah, so far so good, but very quiet. Uh, yesterday's US CPI came in above expectations. It did briefly suggest we might have a bit of a return to the dollar, but 
the market does not seem to uh, fancy it at all. And it feels like we just don't have enough information yet to be able to move in any particular direction. No trends yet to speak of, really, unless you include being disappointed by the yen, but it's early days. What does seem clear is that this year should be more dominated by the political landscape. We have elections aplenty. The US election should take up a lot of airtime, running as it does basically for the next nine months, with a miserable Hobson's choice between two old men. Hard to imagine the US being happier or better off post-election either way, really. The UK election can, in theory, take place in 2025, but I think Prime Minister Rishi Sunak may find it hard to hang on that long. And we could even have a Labour government this year, which would be the first time in quite a while, unless Labour really make a mess of it. There are also the European parliamentary elections coming up. These could be interesting. There will be much talk of far right and no talk at all of far left, even though, as far as I can see, each are equally dangerous in their own way. But it is reasonable to imagine the more conservative elements, the more right-leaning elements, doing well, considering what we've seen generally in Europe, which could put a little bit more pressure on Europe as a whole. But I'm not sure it's going to have a huge weight on the euro itself as a currency. So uh, no trends to speak of so far and nothing too obvious to, uh, to call already. And do you think central banks will still be in the driving seat this year? Yes, absolutely. I think despite this political turbulence we just spoke about, I think all eyes will still be on central bank meetings and any data which gives us clues as to what each central bank will do. Markets will hang on every word that comes out of a governor's mouth or even any committee member's mouth. I mean, we saw that yesterday uh, with the CPI and then uh, Fed's Mester. I think he's a New York Fed chairman, but I could be wrong. Uh, yesterday pushed back on the initial reaction to US CPI with some, with some comments uh, and straight away the whole dollar move just reversed itself. So it shows that actually... Um, that's really where the market's focus will continue to sit. My feeling is that the market heavily overpriced how many cuts will come this year. Talk of 150 basis points in the US, and I believe UBS called for 2.25% of cuts this year. Um, it's completely outlandish. Even the 1.5% to me is too much. And I think something in the region of 75 basis points is much more sensible. And I think that'll be a similar story for the ECB, the Bank of England, Yes, there's some question marks around uh, the Swiss National Bank and also um, people will be desperately hoping that the Bank of Japan finally come through with some sort of adjustment to monetary policy. We think if that happens, it won't happen before the spring. But what I do think is that no central bank will want to move too quickly. I think they would much rather have room for bigger cuts later than cut too fast and have no ammunition left for any downturn, especially in an election year. Okay, um, what would you do then, FX-wise, to start the year off? Well, we think that the Swiss franc really got too strong at the end of last year. And now I've been recommending everyone to sell Swiss francs and buy pounds for quite a while now. But right here, where we are now, I would still definitely do this trade. And honestly, actually, if you already did it uh, around 10, say, a few months ago, you're not all that far off being flat because the carry is so generous. It's still between three and a half and four percent being long pounds against Rissy. And I actually quite like generally to start looking at short Swiss franc, yes, against pounds, but also against perhaps Australian dollars, maybe even the euro. And you can also look at buying options here because volatility is so low in Swiss franc crosses. You can get a really cheap exposure, which would pay off very nicely in the event of a decent Swissy sell-off. And the metal space, platinum continues to be my preferred metal, um, even though obviously gold was a far better performer last year. And on the latest pullback we've just seen, we've come all the way down from 1,000 to about 920. I would again look to get long. I suspect that the dollar will at some stage this year weaken 
but I would rather wait for a better level because I don't think it'll be smooth sailing. I think it's too early. Um, but otherwise, it's early days, and there are not too many glaring opportunities, as I said. So no great rush. I think the moments will definitely come. So I think that's all for today. Thank you, Helen, for the chat. Thank you to our listeners for kicking off what will surely be another superb year of Moving Markets podcasts, and have an excellent weekend. Very good. Thanks a lot, Tim, for the update this morning. Now, moving on to you, Mattia. Good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So I mentioned at the beginning that we launched our market outlook for the year yesterday. Now, at the end of last year, we saw a spectacular rally in equity markets. Can this euphoria continue, do you think? What are you expecting for this year, Mattia? Yes, so overall, we think 2024 will turn out uh, to also be a good year for equity markets. There are many reasons for that. Inflation is moving into the right direction, which will allow the central banks across the Western economies to cut rates again. And this should also lead to lower bond yields in general, which makes equities more attractive again compared to fixed income. Also, we still see no signs of a U.S. recession ahead. The latest indicators continue to point towards a soft landing. Therefore, we think after a flat year of earnings in 2023, companies on aggregate will be able to grow their earnings again in the era of 8% this year um, in developed markets. So overall, we think we have a lot of supporting factors that will drive the equity markets higher in um, this year. Having said that, you know we acknowledge that global economic growth will continue to slow down over the coming months. Therefore, we think it makes sense to stick with quality growth stocks and also add some defensive names. There will be an opportunity around the middle of this year to switch into more cyclical names in the regions when the cycle reaches its trough. Okay, and I guess the timing there will be important. And for that, we just need to keep a close eye on how things develop, right? Yes, exactly. And for a while now, you've preferred US stocks, favouring them over equities in Europe. What are your reasons there? And are you sticking with that? Or do you think that will change sometime soon? Yes, so we stick uh, with that view. You know, generally in equity markets, it's really important to catch the big trends and um, benefit from them. And the winners since the great financial crisis in 2008 has been technology and communication stocks. And this hasn't really changed. We think this will continue. And in fact, these uh, sectors have also got now an additional boost from generative um, AI, which is a multi-year growth team. If you look where most of these stocks um, are are listed, it's clearly in the US. So the technology and communication sectors make up roughly 40% of the market cap in the US. And if you compare that, for example, to Europe, in Europe, the exposure to um, those two sectors is only at 10%. So the US is really home to the majority of the world's innovation and cash flow generation champions, so to speak. Europe, on the other hand, continues to also suffer from weak growth dynamics relative to the US. And it also has a higher dependency on China, which, uh, you know, as we all know, is struggling at the moment due to its property sector issues. Okay, so in summary, then you aren't thinking about changing that view in the near future. That's correct, Helen. And in terms of sectors, um, which areas do you think are particularly attractive at the moment? Based on what we just discussed, uh, we we think investors should stick with the winners of last year, such as information technology and also communication stocks, but also have an allocation to um, defensive segments such as healthcare and also Swiss equities, which are now valued at a discount despite their high quality in general. So for instance, you know, if you take healthcare, the sector is expected to deliver the highest earnings growth of 17% this year compared to all other sectors. So I think, you know, a good mix between quality growth 
and awesome defensive stocks is the way to invest in the first months of this new year. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Mathieu. Really good to get an overview of your thoughts. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me, Helen. So that is all for today. Thank you again to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. So have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.